Give me a mic check there, Alex. Mic check. That sounds pretty good. We're both sounding pretty good. A little hot. Welcome to the uh, welcome to the Arcane's Link Show, Alex. First question: Is your last name Diebold? Diebold. 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 I am not uh, dyslexic, but for some reason I want to spell your name D I E. And then even when I was like, okay, it's D E I B O L D, I was like, maybe it's still pronounced Diebold. So my entire life, everyone has always spelled it D I E because I before E except after C. But my last name is Diebold, and when two vowels go walking, the first one does the talking. Whoa, that is um. Just, I'll never. That could be a good tattoo for me. When just, two vowels go walking. The first one does the talking. You're a pro snowboarder. I am. Is that the best pickup line? I wouldn't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Interestingly enough, I don't really, I don't say I'm a pro snowboarder. I say I'm on the U.S. snowboard team. Because when you think of someone who's a professional, you typically think of someone that makes a living doing it. And being a pro snowboarder is kind of more like a hobby. Ex- very expensive hobby than a uh, than a career like golf. Yeah, like golf. Um, some of my teammates and I joke that like snowboarding is more expensive than a drug habit. Is uh, what kind of drug are we talking? I I don't know because I don't I don't. No drugs for well, Mister Mister Dable. Try not to. That's good. Try not to. Um, no, it just you know y- like, you're actually not allowed to. Well, US, that's true. U.S. snowboard team, you got laws. Yeah, well, we, we, we are drug tested pretty pretty strictly, which has more to do with the Olympics than it does with the snowboard team. Right. It's interesting because there's snowboarders get a rap for being stoners, rightfully still, right? Like it was born out of counterculture. Yeah. Super frustrating for me, who's an elite athlete and has dedicated my life to training and working my ass off to get where I am. But the interesting thing is there are a lot of like top level snowboarders who have been in it for a long time who decide not to sign with the snowboard team because they don't want to get drug tested. And interestingly, you only get tested within a certain window of the games of the Olympic games. So I do get tested. I have no judgments for anybody that wants to do, do what they want to do, but it's just a joke. Like to bring it back, the barrier to entry for snowboarding is astronomically high, just like the barrier to entry for golf. But so, it, so then I guess highlight the difference to me, uh, for me between, uh, I guess pro snowboarder and U.S. snowboard team. Technically, I'm a pro, right? Like I've been making money since I was 17 years old. I got my first podium check when I was in high school. Podium so, check. Yeah, podium check. Can we just take me back <laughs> to that moment? I was 17 years old. Yeah, I mean, ignorance is bliss, right? Like I was in high school. I went to a ski academy, so I, I grew up on the East Coast. Um, I went to Stratton Mountain School where Stratton. I Stratton. We were talking about that this morning. Yeah. Vermont. If you learn how to get on the the mountain in Vermont, everywhere else in the world is a cakewalk. Yeah. Like I grew up riding like it's East Coast ice. It is it is miserable. Yeah. And I would consider myself I've I've lived out west for so long now that I'm like a fair weather snowboarder. I go back for Christmas or to visit my dad visit my parents my dad still shreds and I'm like I cannot believe the amount of time that I would spend on the hill snowboarding when I was a kid because it is miserable it is you have to be tough yeah and so yeah I cut my teeth on the east coast and I went to a ski academy super lucky um I would get to snowboard before school in the morning in the winter time so snowboard from like 8 to 11 what school did you go to Stratton Mountain School okay yeah and then I would uh go to school from noon to five amazing and so I was like on the circuit I did my first professional event when I was 15 and like I'm mid-pack fodder right like i'm not not 
Sean, I'm the same age as Sean. He was winning events at that, that point. Um, but yeah, I, I had been chasing the dream. And my senior year of high school, I went to an event in Mammoth, California. And uh, yeah, I got my first TV interview and got a podium check. What was the podium check? What, what, was, what number was on it? It's like 2700 bucks. $2,700. And what did you have to do to earn that money in that day? So that was, uh, I grew up competing in half pipe, but I made it onto the national team for snowboard cross, which is what my, you know, the discipline that I compete in now, uh, you have at that time you had four men that would go down an obstacle course at the same time. And oh, you, this is nasty. Yeah. You do a, you do a, a qualifying run by yourself. You go down through the course for time and then that seeds you into a bracket. So there's okay. 32 men broken up into eight heats of four. This sounds like hunger games. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, the, uh, amount of people that get carted off in uh whoa in sleds is, yeah. is pretty significant so like <laughs> you are definitely like fighting for survival out there and so you're 17 doing this yeah and you won or no what did you what, what was the podium actually i think i got fourth now that i think about it but good money for fourth bro yeah i mean funny enough that was 2003 the prize money has not really changed since then <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> but i just i make the i make the joke first of all out of like humility right like i don't lead with like i'm a pro snowboarder and two like i just have to be honest with myself that like i i didn't make a living in snowboarding until i was 26 years old so from you know 15 to 26 like 11 years i had j summer jobs like i grinded it out i carried a bunch of credit card debt and so like yes i was competing professionally but i wasn't making a living doing it right and how does, uh, you know, you've already described kind of the snowboard counterculture. How does golf find your way into your life, find its way into your life being such a, you know, it doesn't, there's not a lot of snowboarders that are bringing their sticks. Surprisingly, there are more and more now. Well, golf is getting cooler. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I started playing when I was super young. Like I, I there's, I think I started swinging a golf club before I can remember. Right. My grandfather was, was super into the game and what, growing up, like, you know, both my parents are working. I'd spend a lot of time with my grandparents and he used to just take me to the golf course. And he, he, like my grandfather made me into the man that I am today. Interestingly, like used golf to teach me about the rules of life. Like your shirt's tucked in, you don't run on the greens, you don't talk in somebody's backswing. And at the same time, when we got to like the second or third hole, when I was like six or seven years old, he used to let me like sit on his lap and drive the golf cart. Or if I'm lining up a putt, he'd like put his hand in the shadow so there's this like interesting aspect of like how he used golf to teach me about respect and also about a lot of fun. But like, to, again, I'll go, I'll go on and on to bring it back. I learned how to play golf when I was like, when I was a little kid. You're lucky. Yeah. The, uh, the, the lessons of golf really do a lot for, um, you know, everyone who comes across the game. Did it have any benefit for you in your other, you know, endeavors? Like for example, snowboarding? No, I don't think so because my when my grandparents passed away when I was in middle school, I kind of like left the game for a while. I probably didn't pick up a golf club from the age I was like probably 10 or 12 until I was 18. I got a job at a hotel that had a golf course and I could play for free. And so I was like, well, I, I remember that. What, what, what hotel? Uh, it was the Equinox Resort and Spa in Manchester, Vermont. Oh, sick. Didn't I've, I, there's something happening with that right now, I feel like. Maybe I'm crazy. What's interesting is there's the Equinox, and a course directly next to it is called the Aquanic. Ooh. And the Aquanic is, like I think, on the top 100 list, okay. maybe. Very private. Um, but yeah, so like I just sort of found my way back into the game. I played when I could play for free. Um, 
like great benefits. I'd work from like seven to three and then sneak out and play. Like, I mean, it's $125 a round. And that's, I, that's a, that's prohibitively high. Yeah. For a, you know, a 18 year old kid that's trying to save money to go snowboard. And so yeah, that's not in the sweet spot. The no. sweet spot is close to about $12. I mean, 16 down, here, down, good. down in Salt Lake. Um, but yeah, so like found the game again, sort of again, like when I didn't work at the hotel, I had to pay to play. Um, when I was like 23, I think, I lived in Oklahoma City for a summer. OKC. OKC. I was a project manager for a construction company, and golf there was so cheap. Like growing up in New England, right? Like I, I was born in Connecticut, grew up in Vermont. Golf is expensive. Oklahoma City, like the municipal course is so alive and well there that like I could play Twilight Golf cheaper than I could go see a movie. And so when I was there working, like I didn't have any friends, I was grinding, I found golf. And like, that is, I would say like, that's the point as an adult where I like really fell back in love with the game. And now I have used what I've learned in snowboarding to help improve my golf game. Right. Um, one of those things could be your, um, you know, affinity with mindfulness. Yep. Can you talk about how you got into that? Interestingly, again, like bringing, bringing it back to snowboarding, um, counterculture, it's very like toxic, toxic masculinity is like rampant in snowboarding, right? Like homophobia was really a big thing until probably the last five years and mindfulness yoga, like those, even like working out, like I enjoyed training and people used to alienate me for being a jock and no way. Oh yeah, for sure. Now it's cool. They're like, we want you to do nothing except drugs. Exactly. And that's it. And because I didn't like fuck off and do nothing, I wasn't like really accepted. Right. And I love like, <clears throat> who's to say that I don't love snowboarding just as much as a kid that like doesn't do anything and is on the magazine covers and in the video parts and super successful. Like that was always the frustrating part for me. But I kind of found mindfulness by accident, right? Like I found it through yoga. Again, like when I was younger, I thought yoga was a bunch of hocus pocus, like now I'm going to pick up some heavy stuff, put it down. I don't need to like do that stuff. As I got older, older, my mid twenties, like my body started to break down. I started finding out about like yoga for mobility to like literally be able to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, like at 25 years old, it was like hard for me to get out of bed in, in the morning. And then, and that's, I mean, you're putting your body, not just through like physical, like you're working out a lot, moving around a lot, but like it's, it's probably, is it more about like the crashing yeah. I mean, that, that's got to be where the real pain is. Absolutely. Comes it's all from the crashing, right? Like I've had, I can't tell you how many ligaments I've torn. I've, I've only had three surgeries, knock on wood. Um, but yeah, like it's all, it's all through in, injury prevention, injury recovery. And yeah. I mean, I, can we just digress for a second? We'll get back to the yoga and yeah, the mindfulness, yeah. but like, I kind of want to talk about crashing for a little bit. Is that okay? Absolutely. Does it stress you out? No, not at all. Because I would imagine that unlike, I mean, it's, it's a lot like Formula One or, or race car driving in the sense that like there is a line that's unsafe and you need to get as close to that line as possible in order to win. Yeah, absolutely. That, how, how does, how do you live like that? I, I've been doing it for so long that I don't, I actually, that's not true. I notice it. And those are the events when I do well and when I don't do well. Cause when you, th when you're thinking about the line, you're done. Like you're not going to be competitive because yeah, you're afraid of the line. Yeah. You're afraid of it. And like your results aren't there. You're not, yeah, you you literally have to straddle it to to be successful in, in in snowboard cross and what I do, and it is similar to Formula One and like you are 
so close to your competitors and your margin for error is so, so thin. And to be honest, like I've realized sort of through mindfulness after the fact that that is what I live for. Like that moment of like being in the start gate before the gate drops are on course, like there's literally nothing else in the world that exists, nothing. And I, unscientifically, I have this belief that your brain goes into this space where I can remember moments of certain races, like who I was in the gate next to, what the snow conditions were like, what the course looked like, what my line was, where I made a mistake from races 10 years ago. And I have trouble remembering people's names that I met 15 minutes ago. <laughs> And it, it, it just, that's just how present you were to yeah. that experience. Yeah. Every time. And if you're not, if you're thinking about something else, you're going to end up in a, you know, you're going to get hurt. Stretcher. Yeah. What you were for sure. Yeah. Ambulance. Ambu helicopter, you know, chopper, getting the chopper. Dude, that's actually funny. Like the last time I rode a motorcycle, I was off road, like in an, in an OHV and I was in a riverbed, went down, whatever. I thought it was bad. Like I thought it was real bad. And the ranger came up and he's like, dude. As long as you're not in a chopper, you're fine. Yep. And I just had never thought about life that way. Interestingly, for us, so much of my, almost all of my events are in Europe. And just the way that the mountains are, you know, work over there, it takes so long to get off the hill that like sometimes you'll like fall and break your wrist and they'll put you in a helicopter to get you to the hospital where it's really not like necessary. And there are also scenarios where like you have to have a helicopter ready because we had a death in snowboarding back in 2006 in Chile because the helicopter didn't work and they couldn't, they couldn't get the guy to the hospital fast enough. So it is very true that like if you're getting in a helicopter, it can be scary, but it's also sort of a joke. And maybe this is sort of like a sick way of like dealing with the, the, like the seriousness of it. But you like, I've had so many teammates have, you get a concussion or a knee, a knee injury or something and you will fight, getting in the helicopter one because of insurance and two because of like just the hassle you're like keep me out of the chopper keep me out of the chopper but th when you need it and i've had teammates that have needed it it is like it, literally, it will literally save your life you you paint uh, i'm 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 sort of a, a, a picture of your life is crystallizing for me and it just seems like um you know as golfers the people listening to this podcast and myself like you know i'm like nervous over like a eight footer for Eagle or something. It seems like small potatoes when I, when I think when I think about like the intense, like sharpness of the edge of your board and, and you know, I mean all the speed, the, the, the potential danger, like, like it's like golf is just like a dream for you. It's all relative, right? Like I'm nervous standing over an eight foot putt for birdie or for par, right? Like I, I get those nerves and when I play well, I embrace them, right? I'm like, because at first, when you're when I'm a young competitor, I like I'm scared of those nerves. Like, oh, I'm, I'm nervous today. This course is dangerous. Like, what am I doing? And as I got older, I realized like, no, like that is why you're here. Like, that is the moment that you feel the most alive is when you're like scared, but you know you can do it. Just like think about that. Like eight foot putt for eagle. Like you've made it. How many eight foot putts have you made? So good, good yeah, you're nervous, right? But you know that you can do it. And so in snowboarding, it was sort of the same thing. Like. Yeah, I'm nervous that I could get hurt, but I also know that like I am talented enough to do this. And I also think that like you just you sort of it's it's just your perspective, right? Like I've done so many races. I started competing at snowboarding at such a young age that like it's just the way that it is. And 
interestingly, like one of my favorite things is finding those nerves in other outlets. So like I played in my first golf tournament last year and like first tee starter standing there. I'm playing in a foursome with guys. I don't know one of like two of them are like scratch players. And I like get over the ball and I'm like, please just don't cold top this. And I like took a deep breath and I was like, that's why you're here. Like feeling those, cause I don't feel those like jitters snowboarding anymore. Cause I've done it for so long. But when I can go into a new sport, I, I race mountain bikes. I get up there, I'm like the rookie all over again. And I can like use my athletic training from 20 years of snowboarding and apply it to golf, bikes, whatever it is. But the feeling of those nerves is like, how it's just like, how lucky are you to feel like a beginner again? And if you, because I have experience competing, I can just embrace that and, and run with it. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. I, I've thought about that a lot recently. What would you say, uh, flip, flipping that coin, how good is it to be a beginner? Let's talk a little bit how bad is it to be an expert. T tell me about that. <laughs> I mean. Like, because do you go snowboarding in the winter? I mean, oh, yeah. You do. All the time. All the time. But you're an expert. So why is it different for you? Uh, there's expectations. So let's say I do a bike race and I finish 10th. I'm like stoked. Say I play in a golf tournament and I finish 15th, like I am pumped. If I compete in a snowboard race and I'm not on the podium, like there is a there is an aspect of me that's disappointed. So you have expectations. Like that's the difference is like you go in expecting to make that eight footer in whatever it is you're an expert at. And so the the thing that I, I learned and when I really started to have success in my career in my like mid-20s was I had all this pressure on myself and I remembered that I like it's fun. Like I'm there to have fun. I'm snowboarding. That's why you got into it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I love snow. I'm 34 now. I think I love snowboarding as much now as I did when I was like 14. What, what, how, how's that 20 year relationship working? Just appreciation, gratitude. Like that's like to bring that back to mindfulness, right? Like you have two ways of looking at a situation. You can either think like, oh my God, like I need to make this eight footer for Eagle or this is going to happen or I'm, I'm not going to shoot my best round or I'm going to lose the hole to whoever. Or you can be like, dude, how lucky am I to be playing golf to, and to have a chance to make an Eagle? Some people will never will play golf and never have that chance. And it's, a, it's just a mindset switch. And I, I just had this period in my life where I, I was in my, my, like my, my mid twenties and I was riding with kids that were teenagers. And it was just like, you watch the joy that they have. And it was just a reminder of like, why, like you're snowboarding. You're not, I'm not performing medical surgery, right? It's not life or death for somebody else. Like if you're not going to enjoy it, then get out. Like if you don't enjoy this anymore, then just quit. Right. And so I just, I learned to like really embrace the fun aspect of it. Did you ever do skiing? Yeah. Yeah. I started skiing when I was two and snowboarding when I was four. And so what, what why snowboarding? I was very like the boom was happening, right? Like, I don't know. I was, yeah, it was, was right around that time Four, I was four years old. It was 1989, 1990. It was like Bert. That was when Burton was like hot yellow. Oh yeah. Day glow colors. Yeah, my yeah. first, my first snowboard Sick. Burton 128 air. It was like green and purple <laughs> with like neon green high backs. Yes. Um, this is, um, Oh, come on. I want to remember his name. Filmmaker. Come on. Jeremy Jones? No, um, not the W. William, what was his name? Come on. What is it? Warren Miller. Warren Miller. 
Landon, just Renaissance man in the corner. He literally is. He knows Warren Miller. You know Warren Miller? Of course. Led one of the most famous voices like in the world. Oh my god! Dude, when was the last time you watched a Warren Miller film? I went to a premiere. Um, cause, I mean, because they're still making him. Obviously, like he is. He's. I think he's passed. I don't. I don't know if he's still with us or not. But I feel like Landon knows, but he's kind of like not letting on. Wait, so he's not. He's not narrating them anymore. Um, but. Uh, I've I've been to like a couple of the Warren Miller premieres in the last few years. Um, I think probably probably two years ago, last time I saw a Warren Miller movie. So so can we just digress again before we get back into and getting into snowboarding in this era of of the basically the beginning of snowboarding in some ways? It's interesting that going back to Warren Miller and for me I was a big skier and I did snowboard a little bit, but skiing was I was. Where'd you learn to ski? Um, I was at um, um, Mount Snow. Okay. Yeah, so Been right, many times. right near you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually was on a ski team at Mount Snow. Yeah, no way. Yeah, I did pretty good. I was like, I think I got a silver. I mean, I was like a kid. You know what I mean? It was like, but you were competitive, and, right? Well, the thing that I was really known for is that like I, um, I would just crash all the time. Yep. And it was just like dangerous to be around me. But <laughs> moving on. Um, you know, I think the interesting thing that I really loved about that, and especially with the Warren Miller films and all these and all these like amazing, they they had a sense of adventure to them, and um, and it was like an art. It wasn't a competition. Absolutely. And I've actually found that, you know, in some ways, like, I'm curious to hear from you because I'm, I'm sure you got into snowboarding not because you were like, I want to be first. Not at all. Well, you got into it because you enjoyed the feeling. I, because I loved it. Yeah. yeah. So, like, so, like, so like h- how do you manage that gap now? Between, like, that being a kid and then, like, wanting to get first? Well, cause, yeah, because they're different. I mean, I'm, I'm asking you. Yeah. I mean, again, like, now I'm, like, in the twilight of my career, right? And... It's just an appreciation. I see your gray hairs, bro. Yeah, I got them. Thirty-four I'm, with gray hairs. Embrace. I mean, dude, you throw yourself down a mountain for twenty <laughs> years, like, man. You've earned them. You saw my swing. I got a short swing. They're, they're good looking, yeah. Alex. You're fine. I'm. I'm not. I'm embracing them. Um, it just, yeah. For me, it's like it's purely a mindset switch, and I will catch myself. Like, I will go to events, and I'll be like, "Screw this! It's cold. I don't want to be here. Like, what? What am I doing?" Like this course sucks. Why am I at some shitty hotel halfway around the world? And wait, then- before you go on, can I just can we just make this like an immersive experience? Those of you listening at home, have you ever done that? Do you know what I mean? Because I've done that not too long ago. With whatever the situation is, we just walk in with like we're just like a, all of a sudden we turn into like I don't know what the word is. Cranky. I'd, yeah, cranky. No, the word is ungrateful. Ooh. The word is ungrateful. Like again. How many people, like, how many people do you think get to travel to Europe? My dad didn't go to Europe until the first time I did when I was 16 years old. My mom, I I went to junior world championships and my mom was like, you're not going to Europe before your father. He's coming with us. And so we like made a family trip out of it. How many people don't get to go to Europe? Like how lucky am I to get to go travel the world and see places? And so again, like I'll catch myself in those negative like spirals of ungratefulness. And I'd be like, dude. You get to ride a piece of plastic on frozen water and you are making a living doing it. Like just appreciate how awesome this is. And maybe the course isn't fun and maybe the hotel sucks, but like you're in Europe and you're traveling and you're getting to do what you love for a living. So snap out of it and I like take a deep breath or a couple deep breaths or I try and get a good night's sleep and it may creep back in, right? Like you get up on the hill and you're like, oh, the viz sucks today or like, the viz visibility yeah the viz <laughs> did anyone know what viz was until you just said yeah it? i try and yeah the viz the viz candidies you Is know it the Can- candidies candidies <laughs> <laughs> 
hit me with a few more, man. I I, I don't know. They, the, have you heard Kandidi, Simon? It's a go, that's the thing that. I learned from golf. Ne- what? Yeah, the conditions. That's not a golf saying. Landon, you've heard that? Never heard it. I, the Kandidis? Yeah, I learned I learned it from the. the Who N- are you playing golf with? The NLU boys. It's like a Neil <laughs> Neil oh, okay. Neil Schuster thing. I don't like, follow no laying up. Yeah, like but, I mean I do, but you know only only in uh, business capacity. Of course, of course. <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean, but anyway, <laughs> like I, there are the amount of slang terms I try and now that I have a professional career, I try and repress those because sometimes you'll say them and people will be like, "Excuse me," but yeah, like. Anyway, the viz—that's a snowboarding phrase. Visibility. The vi- yeah, yeah the it. viz for sure, and and particularly in snowboard cross, like the discipline what I compete in, because you need to be able to see where you're going, right? right. Like our courses are anywhere from, you know, forty-five seconds to a, a minute. The really good ones were like a minute and a half, and if you're going top speeds, we hit are anywhere between like fifty and sixty miles an hour. Um, not all lot. the time, not all the time, but when when you do, like you know it. And if you can't see where you're going, like you're puckered. What's that mean? You mean your asshole? Yeah. Is that your asshole? Yeah. You're like you're you're scared. You're yeah. like gripped. Yeah. And puckered's not a good thing. Not a good. You thing. You want to be unpuckered. Well, <laughs> or you can learn to be like, okay, like here are those nerves. Yeah. Like I'm scared. I'm going to turn that energy into something positive. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that it's always going to work, but like there have I have done I have done I have done a number of races where I'm in the gate and I am scared shitless and I do not want to pull the trigger. Right. And I just switch it and I'm like, sorry for the language, but like you are you're going to motherfucking win this thing, <laughs> and you just like self talk yourself and you throw yourself down a mountain. And when you can embrace it and be like, oh my god, I am so I'm puckered. Yeah. You turn that into like positive energy and be like, these are literally the moments that I live for. This is happening. Yep. All right, so um, highlighter, highlighter yellow, Burton logo. You yeah. get you get into snowboarding. Yeah, I, I. You chose. My parents were not like hovered, you know, whatever helicopter parents. I asked for a snowboard. I saw it. I thought it looked fun. I thought it looked cool. I was like, Hey, mom, can I have a snowboard? I mean, I'm four, so like, what sort of cognitive ability did I have? We're in Vermont at the time. I we lived in Connecticut, and my uh, my aunt, uncle, and my grandparents like super fortunate that they had houses that might we would commute. We'd go up two on or a, three hour drive. Yep, three hour drive. Easy. Week full weekend warrior. Sick. Every weekend, literally every weekend, all winter. Did you get the season pass? Oh yeah, for sure. See, I, I my parents still have them. Season pass I, is just like it's just so dope. So interesting with like, your photo on it oh yeah as a little kid they used I to laminate them. photo oh dude. god i actually sometimes like nowadays when you go and get them you can submit photos and i'll like shave stupid mustaches <laughs> or like whatever but um funny enough like think of like an experience for me like we're here at a, at a private club right now getting to play you get to do that all the time right i don't so i'm like excited this is awesome i haven't paid for a season pass in almost 20 years Wow, because what you just show up and they're like, "Yo, yeah." If you're on the national, like when I was at a ski academy, they had a sponsorship with the resort, and now that I'm on the national team, they have partnerships with like all the resorts in North America. And some places they would be like, "Here's a season pass," and some places you just show ID and they're like, "Here's a free ticket." Right. And for a while, like you take it for granted. And now I'm like just barely keeping my status on the team. I'm like, I better take that free season pass just one last <laughs> time before it, it's gone. Um, but yeah, like season passes and like. Every, every winter, every winter, I just looked forward to it. And my parents never pushed me into anything. Like it is interesting to think about it as an adult in like a nature versus nurture, right? Like my parents were like, you need to compete. You need to do this. I like literally showed up one day. I was eight years old. There was an event going on and I was like, Hey mom, will you sign this waiver? I want to go compete. And she's like, 
what are you going to do? How much does it cost? I was like, whatever, like 15 bucks. And she signed, she signed the paper for me and I won. Like total clueless, just like weekend. I was, the the photos of me, I was such a kook. And, but I loved it and it was just totally natural for me. And so I won that one. And then the year after that, I was like, when's the next competition coming? I want to do it. Like nine years old. I got second to this kid and then, you know, just sort of progressed. And I just, it happened very organically. It was never like, I was never pushed into it. I didn't, you know, like, I just think I'm naturally competitive. It is just like innate in who I am. I like competing at golf. I like competing on bikes, like whether it's for a dollar or for an Olympic medal. And so as a kid, like I just, I got into it. My parents couldn't afford to, I I grew a lot as a kid and my parents couldn't afford to buy me equipment every year. That was both like new skis and new, new snowboard. And it just got to this point where I was like, I don't want to ski anymore. Right. No, I didn't. It's not like I didn't like skiing, but like snowboarding was just my thing. When was the last time you skied? A couple years ago, um, like as an you just, adult, you were like, "I'm gonna get weird today." Oh yeah, you're just like again, you're in, like, you know, I've you go to Europe for like six weeks, and you have a down week or a travel week or whatever, and you're like, "Oh god, I just need to like break the routine." And you go and right. like, well, all my teammates and I will like rent stuff. Oh, hilarious! And just like go have a blast, and it's easy, right? Like I grew up skiing. I wouldn't say I'm a good skier now, but I can I can do it. I'm sure you're like lights out. Yeah, I can. Is there any trail on a mountain that scares you? Uh, not on a public, not on like a ski resort. Oh, you need to be like some helis, yeah. some helis shit. Yeah. Like the backcountry. You, you need to have a pilot in order to get yes. scared. Yeah. Helicopters are like, and again, those are the moments that I live for now. Right. right like right. it's transitioning. You it's transitioning from the race course to the backcountry, And like a, a dude drops you off at the top of a mountain, the helicopter leaves Ooh. and you are standing there by yourself and you, you can't see like your first, you can see your first two turns and then you can see the Valley floor. Like 2000. No that's steep. Oh Yeah. And it is, it is the, it is way scarier than competing. <laughs> it is way scarier for competing. You're sitting up there like all alone. You're like here on your radio. Wait, so you don't have a friend with you? You have a guide, but like when you're, when you're up there, you're trying to, you're trying to like do a line that no one else has ridden. So they'll like drop you on a peak and they'll be like, okay, like you take a photo. The iPhone has been a huge help. You can like take a photo of your line and then they'll like drop you off and you'd be like, okay, like three turns, then go left. If you go right, there's like a 200 foot cliff. Oh my God. And so you're just like sitting up there. My palms are sweating. Yeah. And ideally, like if you were to go, you would go with a guide. I would die. Well, no, what they would do is they would put you on a hill that like the guide would go first and he's like, follow my tracks. It'll be safe. But when you're like getting photos or videos taken, you want it to be like sort of a blank slate. You want it to be like clean and unridden. For sure. So, So you're up there by yourself and fresh tracks. Yeah. Like I, I can't afford to go pay for a week of heli time, right? Like right. it costs whatever. It's anywhere between five and fifteen thousand dollars. If a you're week. asking, it's too much. Yeah, exactly. Got it. And so the clientele that normally that funds these operations, they don't want to do any of the stuff that me and my teammates or my friends want to do. So like right. you're in Alaska, you're at a lodge, the helicopter picks you up, drops you off on a mountain, you ski down it, the helicopter flies back to the lodge, picks up another group, and they go, we call it mini golf, funny enough. Like they'll do these, like these slopes that are a lot less steep. You'd say like less than 30 degrees and the, you know, that's 30 degrees. That's 45. Uh, yeah. That's 30 45. is flatter than 45. Yeah. 30, 30 is enough. That's fun. 30 what do you is the want? Fun zone. What are you looking for? Tell me you're looking for what? I mean, it depends on if I'm just like up there, like to have a good time. Like what's the most you've ever done? What's the most extreme? I, I haven't measured it. Like you can't see your next turn. So like 70? Probably. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I mean like. 
you're, you, you go from zero to 60 in like three seconds. I Whoa. mean, it's that steep. Oh, miles per hour. Miles per hour, yeah. That's faster than most cars. Yeah. Almost all cars. A lot of cars. Not your new car. Hey, oh. Uh, Simon will tell you the stats. <laughs> all right, we're taking an ad break here, you folks. So check it out. Make sure to check out our regular partners of the podcast. Whoop Band, use your code EAL. Uh, go check out TaylorMade Golf. Fans of Tiger Woods, check out uh, Vice Golf, the old golf balls coming to RGC exclusive ball coming out pretty soon. Make sure to check out Jones Golf Bags based in Portland, Oregon. And as always, get your Precision Pro RGC rangefinder from randomgolfclub.com. Special guest this week, ExpressVPN. You've heard me mess this ad read up a couple times. The title of it is Bathroom R1. Not sure what that means, but anyway, when you use the bathroom, you always close the door behind you, right? <laughs> Sometimes, not if I'm trying to get weird, you don't want random passersby. Oh, random. They didn't highlight that word. Passersby looking in on you. So why would you let people look in on you when you go online? Use the internet without ExpressVPN is kind of like going to the bathroom and not closing the door, you perv. Did you know Did you know that your internet service provider like Comcast or Verizon knows every single website you visit? Actually, I mean, yeah, and I'm kind of, yeah, that's not okay, actually. And what's worse is they can sell that information to ad companies. Not okay with that. ExpressVPN puts a stop to that, creates a secure encrypted tunnel. Who doesn't like a tunnel? Bo, do you like tunnels? Love tunnels. I love tunnels, man. And I love tunnels, especially when it's ExpressVPN and my encrypted tunnel device. Tunnel's exciting, man. Anyway, ExpressVPN is on all my devices. It works on everything, phones, laptops, even routers. Do you even know what a router is? Can you imagine what a router looks like? Don't fart. I've got, oh God. Anyway, the best part is about ExpressVPN is as easy as cleaning the bathroom door, closing the bathroom door. <laughs> you just fire up the app, click a button, and you protect it. So head it over to expressvpn.com slash Eric, expressvpn.com slash Eric, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V as in Victor, P as in private n is in notch uh dot com slash eric and you can get an extra three months free that's three months that's 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 90 days imagine not having a drink for 90 days <laughs> all right folks real quick theragun this is a new ad read and it's coming from a fan i am in to the theragun okay feel free to ad lib the introduction with personalized copy or start with below the stress of daily life weighs on us all whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person like you and me trying to get through the day muscle pain and tension is a real thing so here's the deal you can try uh i use theragun it's a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest fears i mean muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth speed and power wow that's a mouthful, a handful, and basically a muscleful. So anyway, that's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, italicized this part is, you will wonder if it is even on. While you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. So anyway, I do love my Theragun. I've had it now for two years. I got a replacement once. Oh, they came out with a newer one, and I was like, send me the newer one. And they sent it to me in very nicely, and I always have it in my bag. So anyway, try it for 30 days. No substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need. Starting at only $169. Did you know it's only $169, Bo? I did. That's a, that's a 
fucking deal. I got to say it right there. Go to theragun.com slash Eric right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash Eric. 30 days, no substitute. Anyway, theragun.com slash Eric. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. So, uh, mini golf uh, in a bowl from a chopper. Never heard of this. Yeah, mini golf. Like, it's just a joke we use. And it's like, it's sort of the equivalent of like the easy lines. They're safe. The the risk factor is pretty low. And the, like, you warm up on them. You go up and you're like, all right, I'm going to do a mini golf line. Like, it's playful. It's fun. You can see the whole way down. Like, the snow's great. And then you turn and you like see the one with like these super steep spines and you're like, oh, that looks cool from the helicopter and from the valley. And then you get on top of it and you're like, ah, I don't know if this is a really good idea. And it's, uh, yeah. So like the mini golf is what most of the paying clientele right. will go and, ri- and go and ski and ride. And that leaves like, that's why when you're up on top of the hill, you're there by yourself. So has the chopper ever dropped you off and you've been like, come back? No, not yet. But you, I, hopefully it will. You, 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 you aspire to be to go to a line that's so intense that you just are like, I can't do this. Yeah, absolutely. Because I will be an expert, and I will also be a beginner, because I've never done anything like that before. Like something that's like truly steep. The consequences are really high. Like I, I haven't gotten the chance to do it. If are you ever on the mountain and you see someone riding, and then you're like. And you're like, oh, you got, they've got some chops. And then do you have just like, you know, like if you're in like a fast car and you go to a red light and you like, you do you like ever just have like a pickup race? Um, no, you, I haven't, I haven't done that since I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, like it's interesting when people who aren't familiar with skiing and snowboarding and they're like, oh, they're like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm on the U.S. snowboard team. And they're like, oh, like, can you do double black diamonds? And you're like, yeah, no, I can totally do that because I don't want to be the guy that like scoffs and laughs and be like, yeah, kid, come on. Like, you don't know. Like right. I, I wanted to be like, I was excluded from snowboarding. I wanted to be inclusive. And it's like, yeah. I, Wait, what I do you mean sp- you were excluded from snowboarding? I was a jock. Like I grew up, like I had short hair. I worked out, I rode bikes and I think I've carried this chip on my shoulder a, a long time. And I'm, it's something that like, I'm trying to get rid of now. But like, I always had this feeling like in, it started in high school. Like I just wasn't one of the cool kids, right? Like I didn't get the good sponsors. I wasn't in the magazines. Like I was competitive, but I played soccer. I played lacrosse. I worked out. I like did all the things that like skiers did, the alpine skiers. Interesting. And the snowboarders were like, yeah, you're like, we don't really hang with you. And it's funny because a lot of the kids I went to high school with were also became extremely successful in snowboarding. And since we've become adults, like I remember seeing some of them when I got older and, and still being nervous. And they're like, they could not be more like welcoming and fun. But well, I, kids, kids are jerks. Yeah. Kids are assholes. They are teenagers. They really, I was, yeah, I was, well, I don't know if I was, but maybe I mean, you know, whatever, but I'll forgive I, myself. Yeah. Like I, I felt, I think I still feel, I, I still carry a chip on my shoulder that I was excluded from snowboarding. And I think the reason is because just because I wasn't like everyone else didn't mean that I didn't love snowboarding just as much as them. And I think that was like always the sort of chip that I, that I held. And to the point of like pulling up to a red light, like I, at this point, like if I see somebody struggling on the hill, like I'll go over and like pick up their ski pole or like help right. them like get off the chairlift or, or whatever, because it sucks. Like it sucks to be a beginner. It sucks. To, and, and 
if there's somebody who's being an asshole to me, like I, I am happy to put them in their place. Like, well, you know, what's funny is like going back to it now and remembering like there, I remember like, by the way, like there are a handful of ski only mountains. Absolutely. And I remember those cause like I got into snowboarding and then I went back to skiing and I remember being like, yo, Mad River Glen. Yep. Ski like, if you can. Single, single lift. Yep. That was intense. But I remember it being essentially it was more like it was it felt like it was more about uh, like a culture and personality. It is. Which is kind of not cool. It's not. It's actually it's interesting. When I was a little younger, I, I had a big problem with it. We're in Park City, Utah. Two of the resorts in North America that don't allow snowboarding are stones throw from here. Deer Valley and Alta. Yeah. And Deer Valley, I could care less about like it's. It's great for skiing, but it's not the kind of terrain I want to go. Alta is an, a, like a world-class resort. Yeah. And there have been like so many videos of people like walking through the Alta parking lot with a snowboard and people are like, what are you doing here? Get off the mountain. Snowboarders are dangerous. Like, Whoa. you know, like it, it gets hostile and I've always had a problem with it. And it, it got to the point where I actually, I, I said some things that I regret that were like pretty inappropriate. <laughs> Because you got into parking lot fights at all? No, no, no. But like, (laughs) just like I I went, I went to Deer Valley and I was like, I did a photo shoot there in the summertime and they were like, oh, you're a snowboarder. Like they don't let you here. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like they're not going to let Jews here anymore either. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, like, how do you think it feels for me for something that I choose to do is not allowed here? Like, yeah, I think back in the day it came from a place of like the like the, it was, it was a culture thing that is so long gone at this point right. that the only reason people are holding on to it is for like tradition and, and like Taos. So that was in the beginning. Now it's different. Yeah. Now, now, I mean, there, is there a difference? Like are snowboarders like faster or is there, a, is, is there a benefit to no, 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 they're like a beginner is a beginner, an intermediate skier. rider. It was just like snowboarders smoke weed. Yeah, pretty much. That was like, that was it. Just it, like, they're they're the, loud. The mountain smells like weed. Yep. They Get like, them out. They sag their they sag their they sag their pants. Their hair's long. They're obnoxious. well. The, the half pipe. I mean, but the thing it's is, really, go ahead. They, the half pipe wasn't even around when those prejudices uh, started. Right. It was like they're dangerous and like you can you can find these like awesome old like eighties footages of of when snowboarding was like really taking off and like skiers being like I don't know I think it's dangerous I saw them like out of control and it it the argument is so invalid at this point. It is ridiculous. So in your time now, 20 years on a board, uh, unlike golf and mountain biking, I, I, I'm assuming, I'm asking you actually, compared to mountain biking and golf, has there been a lot of technical technological advancement in snowboarding? Yeah, huge. Really? It, it's plateaued. It's like boots, bindings, and boards. Yeah, but like if you think about when I started, right, like my snowboard boots, the first pair I had were Sorel's, like the snow boots, because they didn't They were like duck boots. Yeah. They didn't make snowboard boots. They were small the boots enough. that everyone wears to the Sundance Film Festival. Exactly. Yeah, the fur. <laughs> they had the fur on the top, right? Like the materials have gotten. They lo- give those away now. <laughs> They're expensive. Sorrels They're are expensive. expensive. Yeah. They're expensive. They're yeah, but so, like, but, and so now you've got like a. Do you wear a hard boot? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Not, you not still for, wear a soft boot. Yeah. Yeah. I wear a very stiff soft boot, but you 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 need like a lot of like ankle mobility, but. Generally speaking, and this is like sort of a jab that's probably unwarranted at this point that I will give skiers is like, oh yeah, like you don't like snowboarding. Like how do you feel about side cut? So side cut is side cut cut is like the shape of a a ski or a snowboard where it's wider at the tip, narrower in the middle and wider at the tail. So it it creates this curve snowboarding, like snowboards were the ones that like found that. You invented that. Well, yeah, I did. That's your response. Thank you. Thank Uh, you, Alex. 
and that transitioned over to skiing. Like skis were just pinned straight for the long for a long time. Yeah, they were. And so I always joke that like you're like oh pow skis like they make these like really wide skis that are great for skiing pow. Where did that pow- come from? Powder for those of you at home. Powder exactly. Uh, deep soft snow. Pow. Um, that again like sort of came from snowboarding. But we have like in the last, I would I would probably call it five to ten years there haven't really been advancements like, and I don't know if that's ignorance on my part because I just don't care. Like you think about like a PGA tour player, like do they care about the new like mid-level club that's helping some player like get distance? No, exactly. So like, do I care about like the newest mid model? Like my, the boards I race on are hand are custom made just for me. Like filthy. Yeah. They're dope. And do you tell them like, exactly what what do you tell them to do? Well, I found a shape that I like. I found like I went through like a trial and error process of like, do I want it stiffer or wider or longer or, you know, what kind of side cut radius do I want? You know, do I want taper? And I figured out a shape that works for me and I've just stuck with it. I've tried. I've like tested boards since then. So like now I just like hit up this guy. Literally, snowboards are made on the side of a mountain in Switzerland. Half of the the building is a furniture shop and half of it is like a a world-class snowboard facility what, what brand is that they're called kessler okay. it's not popular people won't know them okay kessler oxus and apex they're all made in europe and to that point they're not the burtons or the k2s or like the big popular Those are brands. Just mass yeah well that's why it was always hard for me to make a living because you're hard good sponsors right like right. your snowboard your, your snowboard your bindings like they get tv time and if burton doesn't make a race board for me to, that will help me be competitive i can't ride that and right. so then I can't like, if it's not relative to them, they're not going to pay me. So yeah. it, you can, I could draw analogies like over to golf all day. And yeah. I'm just kind of curious about getting fit for clubs. Yeah. Well, it's, there's, there's no process like that. That would be, it, it would be more of a demo, I guess. But for me, you're at such an elite level that like, if, if a snowboard has like one centimeter more taper than another one, I can feel the difference. Sick. Yeah. And like, I, it's interesting, like listening to Kelly Slater, surfer, he can like feel the difference in like a handmade surfboard, like, oh, the rail does this or the tail releases this way. And I try and surf and uh, I'm like, God, how could he ever do that? How could he feel that? And now, and then like I think about it, I'm like, oh. You know, it's interesting, like, because um, there are a lot of surfers that play golf and I've obviously, I've thought about that, obviously. Uh, I'm wondering now if <clears throat> there's some connection between surfing and snowboarding and golf that doesn't maybe exist well, I guess it would exist with skiing too, but I mean, with with the snowboarding and the surfing and golf, like, do do you have an idea of what that connection is? I don't. It's I don't. I think to your point, like right when we started, like golf is cool now. Like I don't know why so many of my snowboarding like cohorts have taken up golf and they've learned like later in life. And again, like you come back to it, snowboarding is not something that's cheap to get into. Like there, the barrier to entry is huge. So you have to come from some sort of means. And if you come from means, you probably have access to like learn how to play golf when you're a kid. Oh, that's a good point. So, you know, like there are a lot of skiers that play golf and some of them are, are like Bodie Miller, real famous ski racer, incredibly talented golfer. Very good. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he plays to a scratch or what, but, um, you've seen this like interesting move from like the like skateboarding, surfers, snowboarding, like this counterculture come over to golf. And I don't know what the correlation is other than it's just, it's fun. It's like in Goonies. It's our time. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. I love it. And I, I don't, if someone out there knows, call her on the line. Uh, 
They know. If I, we had a call in number, that'd be great. We'll, I, one day we'll be live. I mean, I did want we 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 got right into it, and I, I did want to say like long time listener, first time caller. Like I've I've <laughs> I've uh, I've been I've listened to the pod for a long time. Do you have some favorite podcast episodes you want to recommend? I mean, some of the old school ones with like Michelle Wee. You used Ooh, to. <laughs> funny, that was a good one. You used to uh, you used to bake cookies for your guests. Yeah, I used to bake cookies, and then I started to feel like people thought that I was going to poison them. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, you know what? Let's just cut that part out. Well, also, it's hard to eat. I got a lot of flack for eating on a mic. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody wants in their car car speakers to hear it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, about I that. think. Yeah, I think. I yeah, enjoy. Also, it. I just got the cookies. It takes a while. It's nuanced, and I need an atmospheric situation that is that is a, you know a repeatable. Like I, it's like baking. You know, I mean, it is. It's not like baking. It is baking. Yeah, this is how little I know about it. I I think what's interesting: cooking is an art, baking is a science. Boom. I'm not good at either, but you know, measure a little of this, measure a little of that. No, I could never. I would. I was always just toss it in. I was more like Emerald, and then I ended up with just garbage most. Of and the time. you're like, oh, I can't. I can't tell why these are. It's the almond flour. It. It. It actually. Anyway, the cookies. Thank you. That's amazing. Anyway, you know about the cookies. To bring it back, like been, the been, cookies are a throwback. Yeah, long Landon, time. do you know about the cookies? He doesn't know about the cookies. Oh, gee. I. Uh, yeah, I mean, Kefir, you know about the cookies? Kefir knows about the cookies. He knows. He's he's old school. <laughs> um, yeah, you used to like you started these like one offs, and I don't remember who like you had like somebody helping you produce podcasts, whatever. Like, Jeff, Jeff, listen to it for a long time. He's a G. And again, Jeff's before still alive. We, before we started, you were like, I don't want to know anything. I actually started a podcast because of you. Yeah, I saw that, and it was like the way that you talked about how you got into it. I was like, well, why can't I do this? Yeah, anyone can start a podcast. Yeah. That's why I don't listen to them. <laughs> Respect, <laughs> respect. <laughs> it's I, I don't think mine are good. I I. I understand how hard it is to be. You have a great on. voice. I appreciate that. I'm Thank sure you. it's great. I have a face for radio. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think podcasts, I'm not going to talk about podcasts. Yeah. I have no business talking about, we're doing one, that's it. Here we are. So how has starting your podcast been? Uh, I don't know. It's been fun. It's been a creative outlet. Like I've yeah. been an athlete. I, I wouldn't consider myself a creative. I enjoy taking pictures. I wouldn't consider myself an artist, but I'm curious. Yeah. I enjoy asking people questions. The hardest part for me is getting out of my own way. Like I ask right. a question or I'll lead a question or whatever. And I just, yeah, it's, and it's then, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to just shut up. Yeah. And I, I, I haven't recorded an episode in a long time. Like COVID made it, made it really challenging, but, um, yeah, just respect for what you're doing, respect for what you've done for the game of golf to that point of like making it cool, whatever. Like it is what is needed in this sport because it was going to die. I mean, I don't know if I can take all of the no, credit, no, no, no. But <laughs> you, you can't, you can't. But you are part of you are part of that like new movement that makes it like acceptable to like go and play. Well, to some extent, I mean, what was interesting was is I got into playing, and then as a filmmaker, I just kind of was drawn to the game with a camera. And then someone said, "Actually, we we need your help. Will you help?" And that was the PGA Tour. Yeah. So it did. It does kind of feel like um, like a really um, you know. Uh, country club version of the matrix okay and the, the pill i took was more just like a sandwich kind of but you know what i mean sandwich at the turn yeah a sandwich with no crust yeah all right family here we go we got a couple ad reads for you first up mac weldon i will say um not only did mac weldon send me a pair of pants that i kind of in love with but i also bought one of their shirts at the store the other day i was like dude this shirt's it's a golf shirt i don't know what it's made out of but it kind of it's kind of interesting. I was like, this is awesome. It's also cool green color. Anyway, why is Mack Weldon so awesome? I'm telling you why. But anyway, they make socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos, and active shorts. 
Man, Mac Weldon promises comfort and a consistent fit. You know, consistency is just what we're looking for. Uh, versatility. You're not just going to look great in Mac Weldon. Their underwear, socks, and shirts perform well, too. From working out, going out, and working going on working on a date. What? Well, <laughs> it's everyday life. Anyway, Mac Weldon offers a wide-ranging, very wide, customized fabrics that can keep up with you no matter what your day looks like. Might be amazing. Anyway, there's lots of words here. 18-hour silver air knit X, dry knit, warm knit. I don't know what any of that means, but it's under the fabric technology section. Look, folks, uh, you get a guarantee with Mack Weldon. If you're not comfortable, uh, if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep them, and uh, they'll be disgusting because you, know, you wore them already. They don't, they don't want them back, they're saying. They're, you can keep them, and they'll give you your money back. That's So if you're really cheap, just... <laughs> Just go get a pair of Macwell and undies and tell me you don't like them. Uh, anyway, the um, what do I have to tell you guys? MacWeldon.com slash Eric for 20% off. Win the gift-giving season. It's a contest, ladies and gentlemen. And enter the promo code E-R-I-K. MacWeldon, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com slash Eric. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's it. <clears throat> Mac Weldon. Later. Over and out. Next up, BetterHelp. BetterHelp. Uh, here's the thing about BetterHelp is if you're trying to prevent yourself, don't prevent yourself from achieving your goals. Yo, goals are there to be broken, and so our records are made to be played. So BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own professional therapist. I'm a fan of therapy. Um, I've uh, I've been in therapy for a while, and, and honestly, BetterHelp is a... Uh, is a very cool thing where they can start communicating with you in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line, so no drama, please. It's not self-help, and it's professional counseling done securely. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally in many areas. For example, on the 12th hole, this service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor or a massage, depending on... No, you can't do that. Just a message. Anyway, log into your account anytime. Um, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. And truth is, so do I. So go to BetterHelp.com slash Anders. Better H-E-L-P. And join the one million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors. So if you're not crazy, maybe they'll pay you. <laughs> BetterHelp.com slash Anders. Have a good week, folks. Um, you're, I think one of the things I like about you is that you're just like, you're, you're kind of like an experience junkie, whether it's like running, cycling, snowboarding, golf, meditation, whatever it is, you're all in. And I'm curious to know um, about that. Yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're, you're chasing a feeling, right? Like the feeling, you know what like puring an eight iron feels like, right? It like does the shot shape you want. It like, you know, there is a feeling that you get from that. Riding, riding down a steep mountain, you know, pedaling your bike, whatever it is, there is a feeling that you get. And though that is what I'm addicted to, or that is what I enjoy. And I think to the point of like, what's challenging on a podcast is you can't, ex I, I find it challenging to explain that. And so I'm just chasing it all of the time. Like, and to bring it back to how I got into competing, 
it's just, I think it's just who I am. Like I, I am, I'm like all about experiences and I've embraced it as I've gotten older when I was, it, whenever I'm home, I don't know if you experience this, you travel a lot. When I'm home, I'm always like lusting after like something new. Mm. I got to get new clubs. I got to get oh, a new yeah. bike. Yeah. I got to, I want this. As soon as I hit the road and I'm on an experience, I'm going on a surf trip or I'm snowboarding somewhere. Like I could give a shit about the car I drive. I right. don't care about any of that stuff. It all sort of fades away. And That's I've funny. Like gained that appreciation. And I'm like, okay, I'm starting to lust after like this new TV. It's like time to go do something. It's funny. It's, it's actually, I've noticed it's actually cheaper for me to be traveling. <laughs> Than it is for me yeah. to be at my house. At my house, I'm just like all of a sudden I'm like, why am I just buy- I'm buying shit? <laughs> I buy shit all the time. Uh, <laughs> you know, you. Uh, I think what's interesting too is about um, with surfing and golf that I'm just kind of realizing now is it's like one of the points of surfing. I'm sorry, snowboarding. One of the points of snowboarding is the idea is a, a new place. Yeah, it's a trip based idea where uh, golf is, but not for as many people as snowboarding. I think that's true. I mean, it can go either way, right? Like you think about like you grew up, I grew up just driving to go, you know, for the weekend to go do something like some guys will take a trip and go to Bandon, right? Like some guys like me will drive down to like Southern Utah and go play like Sand Hollow. Like that's a big trip for me. Um, So I think it can can go either way. The interest is like to draw that experience thing, like no two runs are the same, right? Like never, like no matter how much you try. Whoa no two rounds of golf are ever the same. Yeah. And so like, there's a correlation that I just came up with just now. I like that. Yeah. So that could be a book. No two runs are the same. No two. Yeah. No two rounds are the same. Yeah. It's true. You've traveled all over the world. What's the most amount of miles you've traveled in a year? 137,000. That's lit. Yeah. That's high. That was a good one. That's up there. I, the the craziest travel experience for me is, uh, I, I did 40,000 miles in 10 days. I flew from Salt Lake to Buenos Aires. Okay. Through New York City. That's all. That's like five. Uh, six. No, I mean, Buenos New York to Buenos Aires was like ten each way. Whoa. Yeah. Never been to South America. You just just revealed that to the. <laughs> yeah. Have you never been? <laughs> I've never. It's been. a it's a long way. It's 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 a great trip though because time zones stay the same. So that is kind of e- nice. Easier yeah. than the jet lag. But yeah. I flew to to Buenos Aires for two days. Flew home. Was home for twelve hours. Flew to Europe was in Europe for 10 days. That must have felt great. How old were you? 20. Yeah, so you don't even have jet lag. At 20, that age, you're 27? like... 27? No, I had jet lag. Really? But, but the, the... Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't... I don't I'm, I'm but six, you don't care. At, at, that's in not your true. 20s jet lag, you're just like... No, that's not I true. I like this feeling. Because when I'm going to Europe, I'm going to compete. Oh, right? I forgot. You're a professional. Yeah. So like... Yeah, see, I just show up and I'm like, who cares if I'm tired? I wear sunglasses. Yeah. All I need to do is crack two jokes and we're good. And that's interesting to me, like watching some of the stuff that you've done, like you're doing these marathon trips through Europe where you're just like, you can tell you're exhausted. For me, if I'm tired, that is the difference between like performing and not. Yeah. And like, maybe you miss a couple clips, but you can like get it together. And I was, that was, I mean, I was just really fortunate because I got to sit up front and that is like a rarity for me. Yeah. And as as someone who's 6'2 and an athlete that's going to compete, it makes a world of difference. You need that. You have to. And so that like, I love traveling. I know yeah. all the travel hacks. Like I think <clears throat> questions for you. I think you should do a pod on your travel hacks. Okay. How to get through the line differently. What, what airports you like, what airports you don't like, like what's a key to this like, good. what kind of belt do you wear that comes on good. and off? Like I yeah. have, I have all of these like, yeah. Watch. I need a watch. That's not going to go off in the metal detector. 
I have I I never take this off. That's good. That's a pro tip for people listening. You can wear your watch through security. You most watch. Some you cannot. Some you can. Some you cannot. Some you cannot. Some belts you cannot. Some belts. Yeah. Some belts you can. Here's how you you need to buy a metal detector at your house, which probably will put you on a list in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> you need to test everything. Yeah. No. I mean, I think one of the biggest travel hacks is get clear. Yeah. Get that clear you, thing. It's I've, worth a hundred bucks. I've never done it. It lasts ten years. I've, I've retinal scan, my guy. And, but retinal scan. Does it actually get you like it gets you through the first part of the line? You and travel they, enough. But then they put you to the front of TSA pre. Okay. So if there's a line in TSA pre, you're also like, come at me. I'm sold. So it's clear as one. Uh, that's not an ad. It should be really. Uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, swipe up, subscribe, and then the. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of other ones. I mean, you want to sit on the north side of a plane if you're on the northern hemisphere. Okay. Then you don't get direct sunlight if you open the window. Uh, the plane's not see. as hot. It's a good one. Um, man, you can do it. You can. We don't have to do it now. But I'm just yeah, like, okay. All right. We'll I, do it later. As someone we'll that tra- travels a lot, I think it's really interesting, especially like the whole thing you do in adventures in golf. Like there are ways to do it. Yeah. And oh, there are. Yeah. It's it's. I, again, like snowboarding, golfing, whatever it is, like you're chasing the adventure. Yeah, it, that is the biggest part of it. Um, I'm, I'm not. Is it Moab? What's your favorite place? For anything. I mean, that's not where you live. My favorite place to snowboard is Japan. Whoa, no question. Like Hokkaido. Yeah. Sick. I've never been. No question. That's where park golf was invented. What's park golf? Park golf is. Um, uh, I'll tell you off camera. Okay. It, Adventures in Golf episode: The Destroyer. Um, <laughs> David knows. <laughs> I feel like I must. I'll have tell seen you later. It. It's won- like miniature golf, but it's like a big ball and like a croquet mallet. Okay. Okay. Anyway, it was invented there. Didn't mean to digress. No. Favorite. Yeah. My favorite favorite place to snowboard is Japan. Why? The snow is the best anywhere in the world. How? It's just frozen water, like you said earlier. Um. It's. I mean, it's just like any grass is different, right? Like. Good point. It's uh the moisture content. So Utah. It's right? extra wet. No, it's extra extra. <laughs> This rain is extra wet. <laughs> um, I mean, what's the viz? What's the condities? The, the viz in Japan is not good because because it snows all of the time. Is it really? It snows it all dumps. winter, and that's that's it's just like constant. We call it free refills. Free. <laughs> you make you make tracks, but it's, so wait, the, the, the snow is extra dry. Super light, super fluffy. So there are certain places on the planet like, extra polite. Extra polite. That was just. No, that was it a, is. I should probably is, cut that joke. It out. is. No, no. It is. That's it is fine. polite. Over Japan's there. a very polite country. And I stand by that. The the reason is right. Like Utah has like the the, the lightest snow on earth, which it doesn't because really? Japan's is lighter. So what happens is, are you? Is this just like? Uh, is this actual? Is this science? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And the science is, uh, Siberia is actually a desert. It's very dry, even though there's snow there. It's a desert. So these storms come across Siberia. And they're very dry storms. There's not a lot of moisture in them. You think about like how much it rains during a hurricane. There's a lot of moisture in the storm. The storms come across Siberia. They're like whatever pressures they are. They come across the Sea of Japan and they pick up just a little bit of moisture as they move there. And then when it hit landfall, it comes down. And it's like this, you get you the craziest, lightest, fluffiest snow you've ever experienced. And to give you an example, like California has Sierra cement. It's coming off the Pacific Ocean. Sierra cement? Yeah, Sierra cement. It's what is re- it? it's very heavy, wet snow. Okay. So it like it's yeah, it's it's not as light. I thought you were actually talking about cement. And no, I was, no, that's it's, why I meant that's that. a, a slang term. Slang okay. term for the listeners. <laughs> Sierra cement is like 
the, the storms come off the Pacific. There's a lot of moisture in them. When it hits land, it comes down and there's high moisture content. As the storm comes across the continental United States, everything west of where we are is a desert. So the storm dries out and then it hits the mountains of Utah. It hits the Great Salt Lake. It picks up a little bit of moisture and then it dumps it down in the mountains. It's like perfect. It's the perfect mix. It's a recipe, right? Who knew? A lot of people. Now they do. Now they do. Now now a lot of people know. So, yeah. People I mean, are going to Japan now. The secret's out, unfortunately. Tag tag Alex if you get over to Hokkaido. Oh, you can go there almost all year round. Not for snowboarding. Okay. Uh, I don't know. The, I don't know what the elevation's like over there. I mean, like Europe, you can you can snowboard year round. There's a couple glaciers in the U.S. that are vastly quickly disappearing. But no, Japan. They call it Japanuary. Whoa! It just snows and snows and snows and snows. The month of January is like the time to go. Japanuary. Japanuary. You know. Um. You know what you could say when you leave there? Buy Anara. <laughs> <laughs> Did you learn that over there, Simon? Do you need something? Okay. We got a crew sitting with us. I don't know. Simon stood up, and now he looks like he's, I don't know, it looks like something's about to happen. Um, he's ready for no, the match. For some reason, for, there's a match. Three-hole match. Three-hole match. Playing a three-hole match. We'll get to that later. Um, you're, uh, no, but I thought Moab would be your favorite place in the world because you can bike. You can snowboard. And you can snowboard. and You, you can snowboard there? The LaSalle's, yeah. The LaSalle's, yeah. Yeah, if you, you like, can, look off in the distance, they're like pretty far away, but you can snowboard those. And there's like good golf. I've never played down there. Dude, you have to. I've, I feel I've, like that's your live there. I'd, Go move there now. I'd love, I do love Moab. Yeah. I would say that like. Is it too Moabby? <laughs> it's very busy now. It's, it's very Colorado. I mean, yeah. I mean, I lived in Colorado for 10 years. Yeah. Funny enough, like living in Utah, I spent less time in Moab, even though it's two and a half hours closer than I did when I lived in Colorado. Interesting. Yeah. See what I'm saying? But to the point of like, where's your favorite place? I think like when I'm not snowboarding, my favorite place is probably the desert. And that could be anywhere, right? Like that could be like the high Sierras, like the Eastern Sierras in California. Beautiful. It could be like, you know, Southwestern Utah, like Zion, that area down there. Moab, I do love. Um, Colorado, like the high Alpine. Like those are my favorite places. Like I, I didn't grow up camping. I didn't grow up doing any of that stuff. And like I became a total, like, I don't, I don't know. I, like dirtbag, I dirtbagged it. Like yeah. I, I would, cl- I'd rock climb, and like, not a lot of people call themselves a dirtbag. I was totally a dirtbag. That's cool. I mean, I had shoulder length hair. <laughs> I was a whitewater raft guide for a summer. I did, you know, what sh- river? Arkansas. The Arkansas. My God. Yeah, I was. That's gu- legit. I was a guide on the Ark. Yeah. yeah, that's fun. Have you Have you done it? I've done it. Respect. I've done it. Actually, I did it. My girlfriend at the time fell out. <laughs> so she fell out of the raft. So the guide. It was. It was insane. You have to. Like, it was scary. Was it? Do you remember how long ago was it? It was near Buena Vista. Yeah. Buena Vista. Buena Vista. Buena Vista. You know. My bad. Yeah. Um, how long ago? Um, 12 years ago. Okay. So there's like Pine Creek. She's alive. She lived. Thanks she for asking. <laughs> you, I mean, you did say X, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, she's, she's, she's still alive. Pine Creek, super dangerous, definitely scary. Then you have the numbers, which are class yes. four. So if she fell out there, those. that would be scary. And then below that is Browns Canyon. That's what I guided. It was like class three. I'm sure it was some bunny slope, bro. It was. It was bunny slope. There's no way I took her into some black diamond. But it's scary. I mean, yeah. you, I've... If, if the mountain bike trails in Park City are graded in black diamond, you know, yep. green circle, whatever yep. you call them, how come they don't... They should do that with everything. They should do that with golf. They should do it with rafting. They should do it with driving. It's a great analogy. You yeah. could do it with golf. Yeah, this is like an easy yeah. par three. There's a green par three. What's the equivalent? So double black diamond is the hardest it gets or triple? Uh, there's no such thing as triple. No triples. That I know of. Is there a brand called triple black diamond or is that double? A double black diamond. There's a brand called D-B-B. black diamond. 
Black Diamond. Well, Based here in Salt Lake City. Why They should just start making more. They should go triple. I mean, I, I guess you could, right? Like, think, if you think about rock climbing, you yeah. grade things as they just get harder. Keep getting higher. They get keep getting higher. What? Add an extra diamond on When there. you're on the bowl and you can't see below you, that, that doesn't have a... There's no grading there. Yeah, because you're, you're out of bounds. It's just like later, Alex. Yeah, it's. I think it's probably a liability thing, right? Like, oh. a resort wouldn't want to give you access to something like that because it's so dangerous that somebody that's not experienced would die very easily there. Right. And at any of the resorts in Utah, Colorado, California, you can leave the area boundary and there's right. signs like you are leaving the ski area boundary and you are responsible for yourself. Man. I mean, we got to end this podcast on a different note. I'm we have to, we have to bring it out of whatever we just were talking about. <laughs> Again, those are the moments you live for. You're like, what, what kind of cool experience? Like that's I, the moments you die for actually. Technically, yeah, well, but. you can golf doesn't have that. It'd be really interesting if it did. There are certain. I bet. I'm. Be, I'd be curious. No, there's definitely more people that have died skiing, snowboarding, and playing golf. Well, they do say golf is the deadliest sport, but that's only because everyone that plays it is 80. Respect. Yeah. So Heart attacks. It's, a, it's not real. Yeah. It's not. It. I mean, it's interesting, like seeing pros, like how pros get hurt, right? Like Tiger had back problems. Yeah. Brooks has got knee problems right now. Like, I go out and play golf, and I'm like, man, how easy is this? Yeah. Like I'm not. You, your current. Let's talk about your current golf physio how are you 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 we played a little bit you were like i'm having mobility issues is that just is that an excuse or is that real that's just life that's just, i that's have just, a i have a pars defect in my l5 what's that um pars p-a-r-s what are the chances <laughs> actually never even thought i have that. a par defect as well <laughs> <laughs> i certainly had one today um i have a pars defect in my l5 uh it's just you were like born with that no no i it's genetic so i have a crack in my vertebrae that will never heal um, it this ha- has nothing to do with snowboarding. It did. I, it oh. happened from trauma. So I crashed. Okay. And it happened. Learning about it and trying to heal it and try and compete through it. I, it happened when I was like probably 20. Okay. I, I saw a spine specialist and you are, you are like genetically at risk for it. So my dad has one. Oh, wow. And so I have a, a PARS defect in my L5. I have like disc issues like T10, T11. Um, so like I can't rotate. You, know, you could always go be a doctor after this, it sounds like. <laughs> You'd be surprised at how many snowboarders go into uh, phys- to be physios. Yeah, because I spend so much time with them. Yeah, they, like learn about the body. Um, but state of my game is like I, I don't know. I didn't realize how short my swing was until I saw it on on video. Oh, it's very short. And I, I've again, I've been an athlete. Like I lift weights. Like distance wasn't really ever an issue for me. Like I always hit the ball pretty far. Um, it's start. It's just starting to fade, and I'll, I haven't been playing a lot. Like right. I'm playing to an eight right now. Total vanity. Like totally yeah. a vanity eight right now. Yeah. Um, I've been you know I've been living down in Los Angeles, like, which is funny, right? Like you lived in Los Angeles, I lived in Los Angeles, and we meet in Salt Lake City when I'm yeah. back here. Uh, and I live in Texas. And you live in Texas. Yeah. Um, I just haven't been playing that much. Yeah. And so like I don't know. Yeah. I I had a goal a couple years ago. I got fit for clubs. I took lessons. I went from like a 14 to a 12 to 11, and I wanted to get to a single-digit handicap, and I used my athletic experience to learn, how, like snowboard experience, to learn how to like go to the range and like right. you're not just hitting balls to hit balls. You're hitting with a purpose, and I love to grind. Yeah. Like I love to compete, and today, like, you know, we, we played a little bit today. Game's not there, yeah. and I'm just like, you know what? We're not playing, you know, we're not playing a match. We're not playing for money. Like, I'm just going to have a good time. And it's like, we played a couple holes, like balls in my pocket. I don't really care. Yeah. It's a great course, having a good time. But it Let, is not always like that. Let's get back out there. Yeah, let's go out and play. Let's just play. Um, I think uh, I don't have a game. You, you had a little miss going today. I, 
All right, podcast over. Thanks, man. <laughs> Great guests. Awesome. <laughs> the, the, to, 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 for the, the, because they can't watch, I guess they can watch this, but they can watch some of it. I was going, I was going right today. Yeah, you were going, going left. I went a little left. And it's like, if we could combine our games, like, we got this. Yeah, if we could just start aiming differently and then also shaping the ball differently, <laughs> we could be, we could be having, I know. We're gonna we're just gonna go out there and enjoy it. Some beautiful holes, suns of sun setting. We got we got a little bit of time left in the day. Yeah. Thank you for being a guest. I appreciate hey, it. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun uh, to finally uh, meet. Appreciate everything you do for thank golf, you. for mindfulness, for sobriety, for all that stuff. I appreciate it. Man. Appreciate you. you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. All right, good night. Good, good luck. All right, folks, another quick couple ads to come at you here. One first one here from Features. You've heard me talk about it before, but the thing is, believe it or not, the holidays are almost here. It's been a strange few months, so why not give friends and family the gift that puts a jingle back in their bingle step? Anyway, for 20 years, Features has been solely, (laughs) pun intended, anyway, focused on delivering unsurpassed performance socks. A great pair of socks can be the perfect holiday gift for anyone on your list. Ideally, they have to have feet, unless they're doing sock puppets, folks, in which case they need to have hands. So anyway, with features, every pair feels like a custom fit. Wow, how does wearing features compare? Dude, features are, like I've already said, they're like a burrito. Not just a regular burrito, but a tightly wrapped California burrito for your fetos. Anyway, I do notice additional support, mostly emotional. And uh, it does have a difference during my golf game because I feel clean and smooth. Here's the thing. I'll sometimes change socks twice a day. Look, that's a fact. I got to sometimes just try them, you know, just feel them out. And uh, features, you don't need to do that. You just wear one pair for the rest of your life. Just kidding. That's not in the ad copy. Anyway, the cushion feels good because I got like, who doesn't like a little cushion? It's like a little pillow for your foot. Anyway, um, the main thing is that runners around the world have loved features for years, but they're not just for runners anymore. They're for golfers, elite golfers. Anyway, they give you what you want, which is an edge on the links, meticulously engineered to keep the feet cool, dry, and comfy, drive after drive and putt after putt. Zone-specific compression. I don't even know what that is, but anyway, it's targeted for support with no slipping, bunching, or sliding. Uh, so check them out. All right. At features.com, get 10 bucks off your first pair. Use my code, Eric, E-R-I-K-F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S.com, promo code Eric. $10 off that first pair and check them out because the old family business, Hugh, John, and Joe got a little present for you for your feet and for anyone in your life. Their mission is to create quality products that help you achieve your personal best. So check them out over there at Features.